welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast and the second preview of the season. Bristol City away is the next game on Saturday, of course. A usual 3pm kickoff, and I think it's probably one of our only games between now and September that isn't on TV. Um, that might actually be an accurate representation of how many are, I'm not entirely sure. But of course, the last game was 1-1 at home to Coventry. Um, positives to take from that game, a few negatives potentially to take from it. Um, unfortunately for this game, though, there are no new signs, Michael. Um, how does that affect anything, if it does at all? Um, I guess it depends on what the camaraderie and the team spirit, all the usual cliches. I guess it depends what that's like. I get the impression, looking at this squad, that it's very unified and very together, which sounds mm. very corny and cliches, but it's one... Team spirit is something that really does go a long way in football. Um, I'm, I'm just, look, don't get me wrong. It would be nice to have more new faces through the door, but I think that the, from what we saw, if you briefly touch on last week, I think that last week it was, last week we were able to compete with a very, very well-established um, Coventry side who finished yeah. in the top half last year. Um, finished, I think, five places higher than Bristol City because I was just looking at the table. They finished 17th last year. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think... I think we've certainly got enough about us at the moment to be competitive, but it's and I, I, I would I would fancy us to I'd, I'd quietly fancy us tomorrow, but um, but at the same time, you would like to get more new faces in as soon as possible. Yeah, and obviously we are going to be looking at the Bristol City game mainly, but the Coventry game it was a one-one draw. People, some people will be happy with that. Some people think you know with home games you should be expecting to win it. But what I think some people are forgetting is. That draw now takes us to something like 17, 18 games unbeaten in competitive fixtures, I think it is. That is a very good run to go on, and it will give you a lot of momentum to go through the rest of the season. It, well, it's, isn't it, it'll be something like one defeat in 19, I think, ever since, yeah. um, ever since Alex Neal came through the door. So uh, you've got to bear in mind, in that run as well, you've had to you've had to get on the 13-game unbeaten run in League One just to finish in the playoffs, which is something that's usually unheard of. You've yeah. then had to overcome a much fancied Sheffield Wednesday team, including going to Hillsborough in the second leg mm. on two legs when they had the best home record last year. Then you had to overcome Wickham and win at Wembley. Then you've had to come and overcome Coventry to a degree and get a 1-1 draw. And, you know, and bear in mind that's in the league above when, when this is... Someone made a point on social media, I think, earlier this week that that's Coventry's fifth transfer window as a championship club, whereas this is our first and we've yeah. been away for four years. So I think that... I do get the thing that was disappointing was concede getting to 83 minutes, whatever it was, and then conceding. But two yeah. things to point out. First of all, the goal itself, even though we probably could have got a tackle in the build up to it, the goal itself at least was a good goal. So that did make it a bit easier for me to accept and stomach. But Coventry deserved it. I don't think any Sunderland fan could sit there and say that Coventry didn't deserve anything out of that game. And secondly, we competed with them for, for large parts of the game. You, you could tell straight away that it's a step up the championship. And the championship, the championship for me this time, we can afford to draw games as long as we win enough yeah. to keep ourselves ideally above the relegation battle. So I think context is needed a little bit. Yeah, and obviously I think especially the last four seasons there's been a lot of expectation on Sunderland to win games, to get promoted, to finish top of the league. I think it gets to a point where people this season will need to realise that going into probably 80, 85, possibly 90% of league games... Sunderland are probably the underdog. Yeah, well, if you want to look at this month alone as an example, um, 
I'm trying to think what the picture is. Sheffield United will be underdogs. I've got no doubt about that. I'd even say Stoke would probably be underdogs. We'd be underdogs for the Norwich game. You've got Middlesbrough not long after that, Watford not long after that. You know, if you look at those five fixtures I've just mentioned, four of them are away from home. So, yeah. we're, you know, we're not going to be favourites. The only games I could think of that we're probably going to be favourites going into it is when we play Rotherham and Wigan both times, certainly at home. Maybe Reading and Birmingham at home, possibly Blackpool. But apart from that, you know, you're going to be even. It's going to be even. I mean, tomorrow's game, for example, Bristol City are probably going to be the favourites. Um, yeah. But I'm agreeing with you. I think people do need to realise that because, as you know, at the start of the season, I asked what people's expectations were, and, the, and there was a range of answers that I got back. And some people have said, "Well, why not aim to get promoted?" And I'm thinking, "Yes, I'd love it." But we've just spent four years in League One. We do have to remember that. It's balancing. Yes, we are, for me, the biggest club in the championship, but we're far from the best team. And we won't be the best team because we've just come up after four years in the third tier. So yeah. I think we I think this year for me it's all about steady consolidation. And to do that, we are gonna have to we are gonna be underdogs for a lot of these games. I think I think it's just because we've been used to being in League One when when we're gonna dominate a large portions of the game. In, and especially at home, we're going to dominate a lot of the games. But I think here yeah, we're we're not going to be anywhere near like that. And I think that's going to people are going to unfortunately just going to have to adjust to that. Yeah. Well, Bristol City did lose their first game of the season, of course, away to Hull. Um, I think they did take the lead. They did concede a penalty late in this uh, late in the second half. How sorry. that was given as a penalty, by the way, I have no idea. Yeah, it was a very dubious decision. There was contact, but then he goes down. I think it was about four seconds after. Um, and I and think the referee, the referee, referee did give that. The ref didn't blow it straight away, did he? Um, I don't think so. But I think he's no. been demoted to League One after that. I think I read on Twitter. Well, you know what will happen. He'll be in League One, then he'll be back in the Championship a week afterwards, probably. But yeah, yeah. either way. And then, of course, that wasn't all that happened in the second half because I think it was the 94th, possibly 95th minute. Um, Seri, who's obviously just signed for Hull, um, amongst a number of other players who's joined them, he did score a last minute winner for Hull. So Bristol City started the season with a defeat, and again, you know, it, it's very early in the season, so results at this stage don't mean too much. But like I say, Sunderland won a unbeaten run of of whatever it is in league fixtures. Bristol City have started the season with a defeat, that could potentially play slightly in the favour of Sunderland. It could do. It's it's all about our approach um, as to how you set up and how you how we go about it. I mean, like you said, I mean, it, it could work one of two ways for me. Either Bristol City could be a wounded animal off last week and want to put right the wrongs of last week. Or if you look at it the other way, then that could be playing on their mind. I mean, especially, I mean, I think there was, a, I'm sure there was a stat somewhere last year and I can't remember where I saw it that Bristol City tended to, I think if games ended around about 90 minutes, like not including that it's time, Bristol City would be much further up the league. Apparently yeah. they do have a habit of conceding late goals and, Hence the case last week. The very opposite so it, of Sunderland. Yeah, pretty much. Um, pretty much. So you know, so if we're one, so basically just to keep it nil nil going into this, going into stoppage time, we might end up sneaking um, sneaking an extra two points out of it. But you know, I think that this is the sort of game where we are going to have to stay in it because um, it's obviously it's away from home. Bristol City. I mean, I'm just looking last season for example. Bristol City. I think. Last season alone, Bristol City didn't get a home win until the end of October. And I'd be very surprised if that happens again this season. But, you know, I'm just looking across the season. Uh, they won something like, hang on, let's see if I've got this right. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they won, I think, is it eight home games out of 23? Um, so their home record hasn't particularly been the best. Um, 
But they do. But the thing is with Bristol City, you do know they create a lot of chances. And I always, you know me, everyone knows me by now. If you keep, if I back us to win games if we keep clean sheets. So if we do keep Bristol City out, which is much easier said than done because they do have some good players for this level going forward, then I could back us to win because I could fancy us to get at them defensively. But again, home crowd, first home game of the season, want to right the wrongs of last week. It, it's whether, it, like you said, whether it plays in the Sunderland hands or not, just depends on how we use that to our advantage if we do. Yeah, very kindly, someone has just decided to start cutting the grass right outside my house. So if you can hear that, there was absolutely nothing I can do about that. If there's, um, if there's any, if there's any consolation, I couldn't hear it until, until you've mentioned it. Good, very good. But. Looking at the team for Bristol City, they haven't brought too many players in, but one of the players, or well, two of the players that are missing from the game is, of course, Thomas Callas, who used to play for Chelsea, I think it was. Um, yeah. might, they might have even played for Middlesbrough at one point. I might have made that up. I'm not entirely sure. But of course, the other name that is missing is Antoine Semenyo, who is a name that Sunderland fans I say, should be familiar with, but maybe not, because quite frankly, when he was on loan, he didn't really do too much, but... He is injured for the game, and I think he's got something like 35 goal contributions in about 90 games for Bristol City in the Championship. So he has performed for Bristol, so I'd imagine that it is quite the big bonus that he's not playing um, on Saturday against us. Well, even if he's, even if he has, I mean, I think for Bristol City, he's done all right generally since um, since his loan spell at Sunderland. And even in his loan spell at Sunderland, you know, that was under Phil Parkinson, who didn't like to make changes until the 80th minute, to be fair to him. So, um, yeah. but to, in general, yeah. I think it's probably for me. It is probably a good thing that Semenyo isn't playing um, because he's obviously got the pace to burn, and you know exactly what people would have been like against us. Anyone who's um, who's a former Sunderland player, one way or another, always ends up doing well against us every single time. So um, that's certainly a good thing, Carlos. I don't believe you're making it up with the Middlesbrough thing because I'm sure he was out on loan at Middlesbrough. Oh, that, years I before. feel like he was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. It. it, it I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure I remember seeing him in like a Middlesbrough shirt somewhere, um, unless he's wore it for a stag do or something, which I can't imagine why he'd wear a Middlesbrough shirt or a stag do. <laughs> but um, regardless, yes, uh, Callas is out. Well, Callas is likely to be out. There's a slim chance apparently he could be featuring, but I doubt it. And obviously, Semenyo, he's out. So that's definitely one less player to think about. But obviously, they've still got Andreas Weinman, who scored last week, scored quite a number of goals for Bristol City. So it's obviously, uh, they've got Chris Martin, who I think they signed in the summer. Actually, hang on. Did they sign earlier than that? Oh, never mind. They signed I think they signed them a season before that, I think. Yeah. I'm just From Darby, I think it was, wasn't it? If I'm wrong, blame Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think um, according to this, they signed him in 2020. So yeah, I was saying like, a couple of years ago. Um, they've obviously still got some good players about them. But I mean, the players you've mentioned being out, it, it, certainly, it, certainly can't, um, it certainly can't hinder our chances, put it that way. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine from Sunderland's point of view, like I said, there's no new faces going to be coming in by Saturday well not going to be playing by Saturday at least anyway because they would have had to have signed by 11 minutes time today I think um, so I can't imagine there will be anyone new in the squad but you know Ellis Sims he didn't feature at all against uh, Coventry in the opening game Alessia again he hasn't featured too much and I'd imagine the first time we really see them to start will probably be the Sheffield Wednesday Cup game um, but can you see Sunderland making any changes going into this game you know, I think Bristol City have, I mean, I could be completely wrong on this, but I'm sure they usually favour a similar system to what Coventry played against us with three at the back. Um, I'll double-check that just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure they do. Is it something you think Sunderland will stick with? Obviously, Dennis and he's featured as a, a left-sided centre-back more often than not since Alex Neal came in. Is there any need to make any changes? 
I don't know. Um, I, I, well, hang on. What did we go with last week? Because I thought it was a back four, but I saw some people say they thought it was a back three. It was. I always, I never know whether to say back five or back three because technically it's both, isn't it, in and out of possession. But it was yeah. back three slash five, I think, with Ballard, Bart, Serkin as a back three, Gooch and Clark as the wing right, backs. Because okay. I know Neil said in his post-match interview that Clark was playing as a wing back. So. Okay, well, if that's the case, then and yes, I don't think we'll change it um, because I think. I think I don't be surprised. I think away from home, we probably will play a back five slash three system quite a lot, because um, obviously the aim at the will be just. Um, I think the only, again, with the exception of like of Rotherham and Wigan, probably I think. But you you look at the other ones, for the most part, I think we will go with that system away from home because you want to try and stay in the game. And again, like we did last week at Coventry, Bristol City's going to look to get off the get out of the blocks quite quickly and get a fast start. So I think that. For the, for, for, like I said, for most away games, I think Alex Neal will probably go with this sort of system. But for this game in particular, I don't see any reason to change it. Yeah. And of course, the last time we played Bristol City was back in 2018, over four years ago, nearly five oh, years ago. Oh, what happened there, I wonder? It was labelled as Bristol, I think it was, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, um, I'm not yeah, sure... Was- I can't exactly remember the game. I just remember, um, go, I think we went 3-0 down at half-time, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think we got two on goals in the second half, didn't we? And McGee yeah. scored one, I think. Um, funnily enough, I remember, the funniest bit I remember of that game, because I didn't actually get to watch it, I was just following it on um, on socials and on like BBC Sport and everything. And yeah. um, I think that what they, when obviously, I think the BBC Sport, the, the, the column that covers all the championship games, and when we made it 3-2, they put the question out saying, Sunderland surely can't, can they? And then uh, they quoted um, Sunderland's Twitter admin and then went, they, oh, no, it was Twitter. Uh, BBC Sports Twitter said Sunderland couldn't, could they? And then Sunderland Twitter quoted that and said, they bloody have, it's 3-3. Three, three. Um, yeah. Which is probably the funniest thing I can remember, which that comeback I think would be more fondly remembered if it actually led to us staying up. If it meant but, anything, yeah. Well, yeah, anything that's not crap, basically, but yeah. Um, that on that alone on its own was just mental. But I suppose, do you remember who was Bristol City manager at that point? It would have been Lee Johnson, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I think that kind of, you know, in a position, you know, conceding three goals pretty much is like the staple of a Lee Johnson team. Good going forward, uh, pretty capped defensively. So, yeah, um, uh, if we do get a draw, I prefer we didn't go 3 0 down, like, but, you know. Quite interesting as well. Bailey White started for Bristol City in that game as well. Yes, so he did. So he did. But look, looking at the Sunderland team from that game, I mean, this is completely off topic, but it's quite interesting now. If you look at the championship team we had in that season, it wasn't very good. You know, you had Lee Camp in goal, who obviously everyone knows about. Um, Tyus Browning, who now goes by the name of as Zhiang Guangtai, who of course now plays in China. Clark Salter, Billy Jones, O'Shea Oviedo, Catamol, Javier, Honeyman, Azoro and Ashley Fletcher. I think people, especially now, are, I don't want to be too strong on this, but underestimating how good our team actually is now. You know, we have a lot of good players, you know, likes of Jack Clark. You know, you've got a lot of potential. You don't sign for Tottenham for £10 without that ability. Patrick Roberts, who's played in the Championship before, uh, Alex Pritchard as well. We have a much better team than we did have that season. Granted, it did finish bottom of the league. I do think people are underestimating what this team right now, if we didn't sign anyone else, could potentially achieve this season. I think to sort of touch on the 
team a few years ago, we've had disagreements about this. I, I still believe that the team we had, yes, okay, I'll give you that league. There were some pretty rubbish players in there, but I don't I still believe it shouldn't have got relegated. Having said that, in comparison, last the team last time to this one, it's no comparison. Um I think the way we entered the championship two years ago, sorry, was it four years ago? Wish it was only two years ago, Jesus. Um, you know, when, um, when we entered the championship last time, we entered on a completely downward trajectory. Everything was wrong at the club. Owner, players, man, even David Moyes at the time, who was, as we got relegated, was the manager, didn't want to be there. Um, whereas this time, we've got a much better manager, I like to think. Um, I'd imagine yeah. you probably agree with that. Much better manager. Um, we've got much more of a togetherness about the squad and we're entering it from a position where we've just come up rather than come down. So I think, but and I agree with you. I think a lot of people are saying that the squad we've got now would really struggle and whatnot. And yes, it might be in a relegation battle potentially, but again, that might be because we have to adapt to the championship. And I made that yeah. point after the Coventry game. And to me, that's not an excuse. That's just fact. You have to get used to the speed of the level. Um, but I do believe, ultimately, we would, even if we didn't sign anyone else, and obviously this depends on injuries and suspensions, but mm. for the most part, I would back this squad to keep us up. I would back this uh, and I would back this squad to keep us a few places above the relegation zone as well, not just scrape 21st. I honestly think we would do all right. But obviously, you want more signings, but as of right now, I think we've actually got a bit, I'm with you, I think we've got a better squad than people give us credit for. Yeah. Um, well, if we don't think we're going to make too many changes, if any at all, on Saturday, the team that, well, the team that started against Coventry is essentially the same team that would potentially start against Bristol, which of course was Patterson, Gooch, Ballard, Bart, Serkin, Clark, Dan Neal, Corey Evans, Elliot Embleton, Alex Pichan, Ross Stewart. It's a bold one, but I could potentially, you know, with us being away from home, Bristol City are quite a physical side. We will, again, probably be seeing less of the ball. Um, and again, I think that's going to be a factor in most championship games this season that involve us. Potentially, Ellis Sims could start. You know, Embleton potentially drops out for him. Pritchard moves into that kind of attacking midfield role that Embleton did play against Coventry. That could potentially play into Sunderland's favour had they done that. Because, you know, Ellis Sims, he's a big lad. He, he can win that ball. He can hold it up. He can run the channels. If you've got him and Stewart up front, that will cause Bristol City some problems. And it relieves pressure on our defence, doesn't it? Um, you're sort of getting you, you're giving you're giving them something to think about and giving us less to think about. If that makes mm. sense. Um, I I think with this, I think with Ellis Sims, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, the game I did watch him in the playoffs over a year ago was when he played for Blackpool against Oxford. And yeah. again, like I keep reiterating, it is League One, but um, he tore them apart. He, he was honestly man of the match by some considerable distance. And for a game like this. I think when all the things we've heard about him has got pace, has got strength, he can turn, pass, shoot, whatever. He's got he's got a mixture of everything um, by the looks of it anyway. And I think in a game like this, again, when you are going to be under the cosh, when you want to relieve pressure, if he holds the ball up, then Stewart can come into play, then you've got Clark to come into play, Heck, Pritchard, Roberts, whoever else it is, could really come into play. And with Bristol City not exactly being the best defensively, at least last, as far as last season was concerned, then you can really get at them and really start to cause problems for them and actually start to raise questions of them. So um, I wouldn't be against... I mean, if it was, say, a 3-5-2, for example, or a 3-4-1-2, whatever you want to go with, um, then, yeah, I wouldn't be against um, Stuart and Sims starting up top together, not by a long shot. Yeah. Well, last thing before we leave it there. Score predictions? Well, I got last week's score, right? I said we'd draw 1-1. Um, I know I wasn't on here, but I said we'd draw 1-1. 
Oh, I'm going to go 2-1 Sunderland. I've got a very sneaking suspicion that we might cause an upset. Well, if you want to call it an upset, I think we'd cause Bristol City fans an upset, put it that way, because I imagine this is a game they'll be looking, thinking we need to be winning this. So, uh, oh, okay, I'll say this. I think we'll go 1-0 down um, in the first half, and then I think we'll score two goals in the last 15 to 20 minutes. There's a, so you've not only got a score, you've got an order of which it goes in. Any yellow cards going to come in the game? What minute? Who for? <laughs> I'm not quite that sad. <laughs> would make a good bet, though, if anyone was involved. Yeah, in but, if I, if I, but you know how it works, though. If I put it on, then it wouldn't come through, would it? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I'm going to go with a 3-0 win, I think. I think people, like I, I said... So I think if pe- we went 3-0 up, do you think we'd actually keep it this time, unlike Bristol City? And yeah, I think we would. I think we would. I think under Alex Neil, I think he is just better suited manager for especially the championship. You know, he's got promoted with Norwich. He did a good job with Preston as well. I think that gets a little bit underestimated how well he did there with, you know, how, how little yeah, kind of resources he actually had there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a 3-0 win. I think Ross Stewart's going to bag a brace and I reckon Dan Neil is going to score a screamer as well. 3-0 win, like I'm going to go with. Inject it. Inject Absolutely. it. But that is what we'll leave it there for today. Of course, the game is tomorrow, 3 p.m. kickoff, which you can watch on the Sunderland website, I think. Um, or can you? I'm not sure if you can, actually, can you? Legally, you can't. You can't. I'm not advising people using the VPN, but if you use a VPN, you can watch it. And it's cheaper as well, mm. I think. It's normally £10, isn't it? I think you get it for five on the VPN. So you didn't hear that from that. me, but you can definitely do that. Um, but, of course, we will be back on Sunday to talk about that said, 3-0 win, and everything that happened in the game, play ratings, you know, potentially any more transfer news that happens between now and then. But until then, we will see you later. And that's all, folks.